Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello and welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm your host, Monty Walden. In recent years, I've noticed increasing interest in ideas such as organic wines, so-called natural wines, and biodynamic wines. I'll read for you some excerpts from my book, Biodynamic Wine, and follow up with some commentary on the topics covered. As we mentioned previously, biodynamics actually predates modern organic movements, and the organising body, Demeter, has its own rules surrounding biodynamic certification. We'll now consider Demeter certification as well as national and international regulations. So now we're going to talk about certification. Biodynamics is the world's oldest officially defined form of organic agriculture. A trademark was first registered for it in 1928. The name chosen was Demeter. The word Demeter derives from Da Mata or Earth Mother the mythical Greek goddess of fertility and protector of the fruits of the earth. Now, Demeter is a private rather than government trademark. Its standards for both wine growing and winemaking are at least equivalent to national or supranational standards for organics. So a national standard would be, say, like the US standard on organics, and a supranational one would be the European Union's rules on organics. So uh, things that are dealt with in the certification code would be things like limits for copper-based sprays, limits on uh, animal welfare, and that kind of thing. Now, the Demeter trademark is administered by a body called Demeter International. This is a non-profit organisation. It's based in Darmstadt in Germany. In 2016, Demeter International represented 5,000 farms with nearly 150,000 hectares of land in more than 45 countries. Demeter International's Biodynamic Standards So Demeter International's Standard for Biodynamic Farming was first published in 1992. It's under constant revision. The Demeter International Standard is the baseline for biodynamic farmers and also, of course, wine growers, they have to adhere to this standard. Demeter certification programs in Demeter International member countries can set higher standards than Demeter International's baseline if they wish. So one small detail when considering um, certification, um, in the case of wine, wine is considered a transformed crop. And what that means is the raw material, which is the juice, of the wine grapes is transformed, and obviously wine's case fermented. Uh, so the grapes are transformed, fermented into wine. So both the grape growing and the wine making are covered by certification rules. Farms or vineyards seeking Demeter International's biodynamic certification must first satisfy the criteria for certified organic production to be considered eligible. So that's basically non-negotiable. You can't be biodynamic without being organic. Um, if you're organic, you don't have to be biodynamic. But if you're biodynamic, you absolutely also have to be organic. Um, you've got to have that as your baseline. 
So, as mentioned, because Demeter International is a private standard, it's not a government-regulated standard, it's a private standard with its own higher-than-organic uh, rulebook, farms or vineyards seeking biodynamic status will either be certified by their local Demeter office, if this is also a government-accredited certification body, as is the case for the Biodynamic Association in the UK, for example, um, or Demeter in France uh, and in various other countries, or the local Demeter office will ask an accredited certification body to do the inspection on its behalf and complete a report on its behalf. So in France, for example, Demeter France asks Ecoseat France to perform the certification inspections on its behalf. So if you turn up to a French vineyard uh, and you say, are you organic? They'll say, yes, we're certified organic. Who do you certify for? For example, Ecoser. And you say, are you also certified biodynamic? And they don't have to be. Uh, but if they are certified biodynamic and they're certified biodynamic by Demeter, it will have been Ecoser or someone from Ecoser which would have gone to that vineyard, looked at the books, gone into the vineyard, taken samples of leaves or, or soil or whatever it is that they want to, to check or think they need checking. And they'll do that and then report back to Demeter. And also... Um, Demeter would have said not only must they be organic, um, they must also be doing all the biodynamic stuff. And here's the list of biodynamic stuff that these um, wineries must be doing. So that's basically how it works. Normally, the certifier's inspector will make an appointment with the vineyard owner so that, for example, maps of vineyard plots, uh, receipts for vineyard sprays and cleaning materials, inventories of farm machinery and buildings... Buildings could be a winery, uh, the barrel cellar, the bottle cellars, storage areas, whatever. Tests uh, can be taken of uh, soil, obviously, or vine leaves. Uh, these may be taken by the inspector for check so that um, they can check for any residues or banned substances. I'll just make a little note here that obviously um, if your next door neighbor is conventional, Normally what happens is the first three rows of your vines um, will ha will not actually get certification and you'll either sell those grapes to the local cooperative or, or not. You, you're not allowed to use them in, in your winemaking um, because they likely will be have some kind of cross-contamination from your neighbour. Every 18 months or so, an unannounced visit may be made. And when we say unannounced, it means that one day's notice is given to the grower in order to avoid a wasted journey. There's no point doing a, a flash visit if, if the grower's you know, in New York selling his wine or her wine to uh, New York restaurants, for example. Now, inspectors can advise growers which sprays are accepted under the rules, but they cannot advise on any spray's use or it's how to purchase that spray or how effective that spray is. Inspectors usually inspect the same farm for no more than two successive years, and this is to avoid um, favouritism or bias. The inspector's vineyard report is then passed to a certification officer, and it is for the latter, not the former, to decide whether the vineyard qualifies as biodynamic or organic. Now, I've always been a big fan of certification. Anybody that's heard me speak on biodynamics will know that. Um, no system is perfect. Everybody can get past rules, however strict or well-enforced they are, but at least gives you, as a consumer, or you as a journalist, or you as a buyer, as a sommelier, some sort of yardstick. So basically the winery is claiming to be X, Y, and Z, 
um, let's look at the paperwork and let's taste the wine and we can analyze the wine even uh, and find if we find residues in those wines we know that something's gone wrong so that's the whole point of having this yardstick okay so certification is increasingly seen by wine importers retailers and sommeliers as a key part of the marketing mix furthermore countries in which state monopolies control the import of alcohol are increasingly favoring wines which are certified organic or biodynamic over their conventional counterparts so if you look at canada and so the, Scan- the scandinavian monopolies for example um, they like this idea uh, not only of organics but certified organics they don't accept um, anything as organic or biodynamic unless it's got the certification stamp and i think um, well done them and uh, and long may that continue any land being converted from conventional farming must undergo a conversion period before crops from that particular piece of land can be described as organic or biodynamic. This organic conversion period is two years for annual crops such as carrots or peas or potatoes and three years for perennial crops like vines, olives or apples. To be officially biodynamic, another two years is required or if the vineyard is converting directly from conventional to biodynamics, these two years may be allowed to run concurrently with a three-year organic conversion period. The Biodynamic Trademark Demeter International says that only wines made from grapes originating from vineyards certified by accredited Demeter International member countries and which conform to Demeter International's winemaking standard, may carry the Demeter logo or mention the word biodynamic. Um, however, in short, there are, there's more than one. Bio, the Demeter organization was the first biodynamic organization to certify biodynamics, but other um, organizations such as in France, the Syndicat International des Vignerons en Culture Biodynamique, which is Biodivin, um, so that's a rival, not a rival group, but basically because Demeter um, or the, bio, the sort of the founding fathers or mothers of the biodynamic movement didn't drink alcohol because they felt it, it interfered with your spiritual development or your just your way of acting and stuff. And you can't, I can't argue with them. It does have an effect. Um, they didn't really take to wine or vineyards. They weren't really sort of switched on to that. And so um, what has happened is um, wine growers who want to be biodynamic and who had possibly one or two issues with Demeter or vice versa have created their own um, sort of um, bodies. And so one of them is the Syndicat International des Vignons en Culture Biodynamique or Biodivin. Uh, in Austria, you have the Respect Biodin group, which is very good, and it, as is Biodivin. Um, and so they're certified biodynamic. They follow the European Union uh, Union rules. They follow virtually the same rules as Demeter does. They have to do all the biodynamic bits that Demeter asks for, um, but they're just a little bit more flexible on one or two things because of their particular transformation of the grapes into wine, basically, without getting into too many details. Biodynamic wine and grape growing. So vineyards certified as biodynamic by Demeter, apart from Demeter in Australia, all conform to Demeter International's production standard. Now, this production standard stipulates that all the biodynamic preparations be used each year on the vines 
and on other farmed areas. The biodynamic preparations do not have to be applied to any permanently non-productive area. The overriding principle in the biodynamic rulebook is that vineyards should shed their inherent tendency to monoculture, which perennial crops like vines encourage. The idea is to make better farms, better farmers and better surroundings for the community. So it's important also to remember that wine is a transformed product. You know, if you're making, if you're growing biodynamic bananas, you pick the banana and it's a biodynamic banana and that's that's the end of the story. Whereas if you're making, you've got grapes, you have to transform them into wine. So biodynamic grapes are one thing and biodynamic wine is another thing which is which is completely different in terms of in terms of the rule books. There are different sets of rules for the winemaking, uh, completely different sets of rules for the viticultural side. So that's really important to bear in mind. So here we go. Wine is a transformed product. So regulators consider wine a transformed product. Wine exists only if the raw material, the juice of freshly gathered grapes, is transformed into wine by alcoholic fermentation. Jam, butter, yogurt, cider and beer are also considered transformed products. The beginnings of the regulation of organic wine began in Europe after pioneering organic and biodynamic wine growers there formed voluntary groups, initially as a means of exchanging information. Then they drew up codes of practice. The most notable of these bodies was Ecovin. Ecovin, so that's eco-wine, Ecovin, Ecovin. And this is the Association of German Organic Growers. This was formed in 1985. So let's talk about organic wine labelling in Europe. In 2012, the European Union finally came up with a definition for organic wine. And this came about under the regulation, EU regulation number 203-2012. So this regulation covered which inputs and practices were permitted for both grape growing and wine making. The result was that any wine made from 100% organic grapes and made according to the European Union's winemaking rule, which allowed the addition of sulphites, these wines could be labelled, quotes, as organic wine. The term wine made from organic grapes was phased out, so that was the previous term. In the United States, however, a clear divide between organic wines with added sulphites and those without sulphites had existed since 2002. Now, this was when the United States Department of Agriculture's National Organic Program, or the acronym for that is the USDA NOP, when this National Organic Program came into force. So this federal law on organics replaced the existing patchwork of organic legislation passed previously by individual states, such as California's 1990 Organic Food Act, for example. So it's basically a little bit like the European Union. Instead of having different rules in France and Germany and Spain and Switzerland or in Oregon or Washington State or California, it's one rule for each country. So we're now going to talk about 
um, sulfites, which is a hot issue, rather a smelly issue, if you like, a nose-tingling issue in the wine industry. Why add sulfites or sulfur dioxide to wine? Sulfur dioxide is added to the vast majority of wine, as well as to many foods, as a disinfectant and preservative. In wine, sulfur dioxide prevents or slows microorganisms such as yeast and bacteria, which can, but not always obviously, can spoil the wine's taste, for example, by turning it to vinegar, wine being the midpoint between fresh grape juice and vinegar. Levels of sulfur dioxide or sulfites tend to be significantly lower in wine compared to foods like dried fruit or tinned soups, for example. However, added sulfites are blamed for exacerbating the hangover effect, despite this being caused primarily by the effect on the body of excess alcohol combined with dehydration. Nevertheless, the recent boom in interest in so-called natural wines has seen increased demand for wines containing either low levels of added sulfites or none at all. So when I wrote this book, I said that at the time natural wine was um, an unofficial term, but it's um, recently got some legal traction, which is, I think, good to see. Good to see for the naturalistas and for consumers as well. So I support that very uh, absolutely. No added sulfites. So an increasing if small number of producers never add sulfites to any of their wines. Prerequisites of such successful minimal intervention in the winery are having the right grape variety planted on the right terroir and where applicable the right rootstock. Then often a high degree of intervention in the vineyard is required, mainly of manual and ideally of animal labour. So my tagline is, the less you want to do in the winery, the, the more you need to work in the vineyard. That's how I see it. You can't make good wine of whatever stripe if you can't be bothered to do your work in the vineyard. And if you're going to make a wine with, with little or no input in the winery in terms of crutches like sulfites and fining all the rest of it, you've got to have a great, the right great variety with the right rootstock in the right place, planted in the right way, picked at the right time, fermented at the right time, in the right temperature, in the right container, etc., etc. And then you can make a fantastic natural wine with low or no inputs at all. And hopefully more in the industry will take up the challenge to to minimise their inputs um, in the vineyard. And um, also um, that would reflect much better viticulture as well. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for consumers. It's a win-win for neighbours of, of people that live near vineyards. It's a win-win for the environment at large. Um, and it's a win-win for any of us that love wine and depend on this industry for our living so sulfite levels and wine labeling so the exact level of sulfites allowed in wines in general is dictated by the color of the wine its sweetness level and its style so still fizzy fortified maximum sulfite levels for wine labeled as organic or biodynamic are set roughly at around 30% lower than for conventional wines allowable levels are lowest for red wines and dry wines, and they're highest for white wines and those with residual sugar. Sulfite levels also have a bearing on exactly how wines are labelled, with some subtle but key differences between Europe and the United States, and between organic and biodynamic. So in the United States, all organic and by implication biodynamic alcohol beverages carrying the USDA's organic seal must have met both the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, that's the TTB, 
and the USDA organic regulations. These regulations differentiate between wine made with organically grown grapes on the one hand and organic wine on the other. Wines produced from certified organic grapes and which contain up to 100 milligrams per litre of sulfur dioxide added during winemaking are labelled wine made with organically grown grapes. All grapes must be certified organic, but other ancillary aids, such as yeast or acid, are not required to be organic. Wines produced from 100% certified organic grapes, with no added sulfites, and with less than 10 mg per litre of naturally occurring sulfites, produced as a natural byproduct of fermentation, these wines can be labelled organic wine or even 100% organic wine. Wines produced from 100% certified organic grapes with no added sulphites and whose levels of sulphites is so low as to be classed as non-detectable, these wines may be labelled as organic wine sulphite free. In America, it often gets told off for its kind of, you know, sort of overcomplicated um, labelling and things like that, but actually... In this case, they were ahead of the game. So well done, um, well done, Captain America. Demeter International's Biodynamic Winemaking Standards Demeter International's processing standards now cover winemaking and they begin by stating that Demeter biodynamic wine growers should not see wine growing purely as a means to an end but more as a way to, quote, enrich the world and to celebrate the beauty of landscape and life. The Demeter International Standards state that biodynamic methods should help each vineyard become an individuality in its own right. Wines should then be a true, unique, authentic expression of this individuality, what in wine speak would be called terroir-driven. Demeter International's biodynamic winemaking standards ask that negative effects on the environment are minimised when making wine. Winery design in general is becoming greener and more carbon neutral against a backdrop of wild fluctuations in the price of fossil fuels and increase evidence of their role in contributing to climate change. Techniques for reducing energy use include gravity-fed and geothermal designs, green roofs, and using rammed earth for better insulation, using wind and solar power, making more efficient use of water and wastewater, using sustainable or renewable raw materials for construction. Technology is being developed, for example, in which algae capture fermentation gases, like the main greenhouse gas, carbon dioxide. This is released during winemaking and reusing these gases or recycling them as biodiesel. Some winemakers offset their greenhouse gas emissions by planting a tree for every pallet of wine they ship or using power from local wind farms. Thank you again for listening to the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Walden. Next week will be our final instalment of the Biodynamic Wine series. 
Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.